Hello, and welcome to another episode of Empower Apps. I'm your host, Leo Dion. We're joined again by Vadim Shpakovsky. Hey, Vadim, how you doing? It's cool here in Minsk, still warm, and we can keep talking about Xcode and Mac, especially. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm... So, you're more of a big fan of the, the Mac, I guess, correct? Yeah, totally. Uh, in, in the last episode, it was quite hard for me to discuss IO stuff, to be honest. For me, mobile device is not a way of life, I'd say. It's like a tool where I can call when I can check my messages, my emails, and that's it. It's just how it is. If you're a developer on UI kit, like you probably more excited than me. So I'm just right. a little bit like sorry about the last episode where I could not add much input into into our subjects. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's totally fine. That's interesting. Do you think that's a generational thing or do you think it's just a, like they haven't quite made the iPad as powerful as you'd like it to be? Well, you see, it's like I'm not 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 young, if I may say so. And I do believe that concentration is very important. And these devices, mobile devices, if you use them unwisely, they may add some harm. And I'd prefer to spend time on doing things than consuming them. This is like, it's, it's just some people prefer this, right? I think like with the iPhone, I'm pretty limited as far as um, what I can do on it. And like, I, I cannot look at an iPhone too long. Um, as far as like the iPad is concerned, I do like, as far as writing, I find the iPad easier to be very focused on as opposed to the Mac. Uh, before WWDC, I was hopeful that I was... One of my things I wished for, which is counter to most folks, is I hope that they don't put iPad Xcode on the iPad because I would be so right. distracted with my writing if Xcode was on the iPad, which I am kind of glad to see. Um, so, yeah, I, I understand totally where you're coming from. So let's yeah, let's get into yeah. the Mac. You're using Big Sur right now, right? Yeah, I switched four days ago and I cannot be happier, I must say. Like everyone, I was afraid, like, what do you lose? Which tools are working, which are not? I must say, this release is something. I was here before, and I installed, like, Seed 1 previous years. Right. But this year, I'm so happy about the quality of this build. It's like, I would not probably update to Seed 2 if it goes so well, until I see, like, more feedback features or, yeah, some feedback. But... For now, I'm extremely happy. <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah, let's go over that. What What are the things that you really like about this version? Like, let's let's get into the design. Do you like the design of Big Sur? Uh, honestly, not very much. Okay. I, I do enjoy a fresh look. Like iOS 7, if, if you recall, uh, not many people appreciated its design. But everyone was excited about the new direction, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same for me with Big Sur. I believe this is just the first step and it will evolve and we will have better controls, better better contrast for some controls. And it's, this is so natural to see some design refresh. And I see a lot of critics in my circles about, because we are as Mac developers, we like criticize all the time all the things like because we want them to be perfect. perfect yeah yeah but yeah but my my point of view is like this this is a great start and it reminds you ios which in, in my opinion is, is a great thing for instance i do enjoy a new control center center 
which reminds you, like, it is iOS control center in essence, right? Right. But when, when you use it, when, when you start using it, I so like this, like, round buttons where, like, they are easy, easy to click mm-hmm. and they are totally understandable what they do. And longer texts, like, where before you could have a button, like, start, apply, blah. Now we have got, like, these longer phrases and it is appreciated. It's, like, this is a new direction. It's more, like, it's richer, the design. Right. If you want your app to succeed, there's never been a better time to read up on App Store optimization. And App Figures provides that just for you. As I've mentioned before, they have all these great articles and guides on App Store optimization. And you can check them out and help improve your ASO. Lately, they've also started doing teardowns of specific apps like Spotify, for instance, and show exactly how they're utilizing ASO to get the best possible download results. You could take a look at their resources page at appfigures.com resources. You can also take a look at the link in our show notes below. Try App Figures for free. And if you like it, use our special code EMPOWER3030 to get 30% off for the next three months and increase your download numbers. Again, use our special code EMPOWER3030 to get 30% off for the next three months. Thank you, App Figures, for sponsoring our show. So I installed Big Sur on a second partition on my MacBook Pro, and then I installed Big Sur on a VM uh, on my iMac that I'm using here. So uh, last year I installed Catalina early, and I almost ran into an issue actually with one episode where I lost a recording. So like I'm super hesitant about jumping into Big Sur. As long as I can run Xcode, I'm fine. Um, And then there isn't a lot as far as like last year you pretty much needed Catalina to do SwiftUI. And this year, that isn't the case. Like, there's, yeah, there's definitely things in SwiftUI I can't do. But for the most part, there isn't a lot of breaking changes, which is really nice. Uh, As far as the user interface, I think my biggest gripe is the uh, alert dialogue. So, like, I don't know about you, but when I'm running Xcode and I get the weird alert dialogue that tells me either, like, uh, asking me some question or for instance, like, Hey, you're currently running the app. Do you want us to kill the app or kill the build or whatever you're in the middle of? If you call another build, uh, that seems a little bit strange and unusual to me. And it, it also is. looks very much like a touch dialogue uh, yeah. Getting back to our discussion, uh, as opposed to like a dialogue for somebody using a mouse and uh, keyboard. Yeah. I, I can share myself about alerts because it's important part of new design, right? Yeah, very important. First of all, I believe that there is some utilitarian uh, position here and some technical. So technically, in Catalyst, if if you build it for Catalina, then there it reminds you iOS. You have the alert, it's, it's centered, and all contents is like iOS. Right. And now in Mac, we have got this like small bridge from from Catalina, Catalyst. And so they wanted to unite it somehow. I must say that it works surprisingly well. If you right. if you experience it, like when you use it, like I do like that it's center alignment as a design. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these buttons, they make more prominence. And yes, text, absolutely. again, they're intended for having bigger text, longer text. Right. And I believe this is a, this is a win, this one. Okay. Also, they help with design. The back uh, the backend window, uh, which the alert appears on top of, 
it is deemed, which helps a lot. So yeah, yeah, I yeah. won't I won't miss sheets from from the older releases. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I totally know what you're talking about. So have you done a lot of work with Catalyst? Uh, yeah, I had some projects, some home projects, side projects, and I didn't enjoy it, to be honest, but I'm not into UI kit very much. Uh, as a Mac developer, it's, I don't want to say some some harsh words, but it's not the best experience. I'd no, go, go into it. I want to know. Do your harsh words. It is, it is disgusting. It's like, <laughs> like, like, like everyone spoke about, like they are, they are true, these people. They're like, I am with them. Like, Catalyst is a mistake. Do you, have you jumped onto any of the Catalyst stuff in the last, like anything, has anything changed from last week that softens your opinion on Catalyst? No, I do believe that this is a, just a transition for folks who want to have their iOS and iPad applications to be up and running on Catalina. Because now, yeah. in just maybe one year, we will be able to launch the same iOS and iPad applications right directly on Microsoft Big Sur. So what is the point of Catalina? I cannot, like, I cannot see. I am a big fan of Monument Valley. But running Monument Valley on my Mac is so weird. Like they kept demoing it and it was just like 99% of the fun of Monument Valley is using my finger to rotate stuff. Like why the heck do I want to play Monument Valley on the Mac? And I understand it's like a cool demo, but like in real life, that doesn't seem weird. Like I am mostly on on the same page with you when it comes to catalyst, but the idea of like just running a iPhone or Mac, iPad app without catalyst on the Mac, the, it seems like a worse option in a lot of ways. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think you either go, if you want to write a serious Mac app, uh, I think you do AppKit or Swift UI, honestly, but like, like I think catalyst is better than just taking your iPhone app and just putting on the app store for an app Silicon Mac. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, Leo, I I cannot agree with you here. I'm very excited about iOS applications on Mac in their direct form. As like, oh really? Okay, why is that? Because ecosystem, uh, all the apps that we use on iOS, sometimes you really need them on Mac. And business wise, I can understand why some team cannot afford to develop AppKit port, right? Yeah. So. I believe it's better than nothing and cannot say much more, but... But you don't think Catalyst... You would not think that Catalyst is better... Do you think... What do you think is better then? Let's put, let's put it this way. Which is the lesser of two evils? Native iOS, like something that we had in simulators for years. I am fine if App Store or Mac App Store allows you to download their simulator versions, which could work like authorization, for instance. I'd prefer to, I'd prefer to have Google Docs iPad application on my Mac, then no Mac at all, no Mac app at all. It's like it's but not do like you, this, right? But do you see? Do you see this Catalyst as a way? Like I would assume that Catalyst brings certain customizations to your iPhone or iPad app so that it looks better on the Mac. Or you disagree with that? Does that make sense? Uh, it it makes like technically, I see what it means. Okay, I, I see why it was created, but in practice, it's such a dumb task. To be honest, as a developer, like I do appreciate some some developers like PSPDF Kit. These folks made some brilliant yeah. Catalyst application and Twitter application. It is 
in a way, it is brilliant because it does a job much better than a website. But when you like when you use it, it's so unnatural that I'd prefer to to launch a native iOS application from Twitter. And know precisely that, yeah, this is iOS application. Gotcha. And I don't expect much from it. Interesting. Okay. We'll see how it goes. I'm I'm curious because like it is like that if there's any gripe I have about the current way things are is more there is too many choices for building a Mac app. Like so what do you prefer, I guess, uh AppKit or Swift UI? Swift UI for sure. Okay. It misses it misses like yeah, we we probably speak about this more, but Swift UI is the future, definitely, in my opinion. Okay. So obviously a lot of the talk with the macOS besides the big design change is the switch to Apple Silicon. Are you getting a DTK? Uh, no, my country is not eligible, unfortunately. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Some folks from my team uh, apply it and we are waiting for, for a unit. But, you know, uh, there is a channel, the Slack channel, not Slack channel, but there is a Slack for upkit developers, upkit abusers. Yeah, and right. Developers from there, they will be happy to help with testing. And they already expressed, like, I will have a unit. So if you got an application, we will compile it and test it. And for me, this is so exciting. Like, this way of, yeah. like, help to each other. Like Outsourcing your cloud uh, cloud CI. Yeah, nice. yeah. I'm not, I'm not worrying about it. I will not be able to touch it. And time will fly so fast. So we will have... I, much... I'm in the same boat. Yeah. And if there's anything like they emphasized, I would say overemphasized. <laughs> I don't know about you. In the keynote and State of the Union is your stuff will work on Apple Silicon. Like right? it was like everything but the kitchen sink they would show you that it works. So you've got like virtualization, you've got Rosetta 2, yeah. you've got building universal apps. Like they are making sure and it sounds like they're reaching out to a lot of open source projects as well to make sure that they work. And I, I would actually recommend uh, watching the video on Apple Silicon, uh, which was absolutely uh, – I think it's interesting. Yeah. So I know like most of Swift stuff, it's basically ARM 8 is what it looked like to me more or less underneath the hood. Obviously, there's customizations, but it's basically an ARM processor. But like I, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal for most apps to transition. I do believe that it will be a cake and honestly – I consider it like this, and we discuss this with some my online friends. In my opinion, this will be very lightweight transition. Yeah, I didn't survive the last one using Rosetta, but Rosetta too. At least when I check documentation and all those videos, and like when I spoke about this in labs, it must be quite easy to switch because yes. technically there is no reason to not compile Intel code or recompile not recompile to to transform. Intel instructions into IRM instructions. Right. And because the bundles and system, all this stuff, it will remain the same. It's, it's the same package, all the same resources. It's just like we were there and simulator does exist. I mean, IO simulator for like four years right. and it works like a charm. I don't see why Intel applications would not exist on IRM just like simulator exists now on Intel. That's it. And ARM... ARM is not like in a vacuum. Like it's been around for a while. Like, you know, it's not, it's not nothing. Um, I think the biggest thing I've heard from a lot of people um, that's, that's kind of been the biggest concern is running windows. 
because there is a large amount of folks that run windows on a MacBook pro, uh, whether we like it or not. And like, will there still be an ability to dual boot into windows is kind of the biggest, um, thing that I've heard a lot of people have issues with as well as just like being able to run a windows VM, because as far as virtualization is concerned, it looks like you can run a Linux arm image on virtualization, but you can't like, you can't switch out the processor of your VM. So that might be an issue. Yeah, I agree. Like the Docker part is what worries me the most, right? I think it'll get Docker to work. I think it's just a matter of if you've got a OS that's only supporting Intel, then that's where you might run into issues. Uh-huh. I mean, there. so I wrote that article recently on uh, doing CI or continuous integration on GitHub and Travis for ARM. So you can already do that mm-hmm. as far as like Linux ARM is concerned. Um, and that's when I started going into like the deep dive of how like apps like, uh, is it QME? And LXE allow you to do virtualization of different processor architectures. Uh, but that stuff seems really mm-hmm. advanced. And it's like that, that once I deep dive into that, I'm like, oh, okay. Like this is, this is starting to get in, into be a waste of time. But like, I think that's something that they're going to have to look at is allowing like some sort of virtualization of processors in some way. Cause I think developers will want that. And hopefully something that's not too slow, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. It's, it's not clear at all at the moment. And all questions like bootcamp, bootcamp will probably go away, which is scary. Right. In my opinion. So we'll we'll see. Or Windows finally works on ARM. <laughs> it's a nice idea. <laughs> from from the history, from the past history, I'm not an optimist on this front, to be honest. Apple may cut and burn the bridge without any issues. I don't think that they will do too much to support bootcamp, etc. Right, right. So what was your experience as far as uh, upgrading your machine to Big Sur? Yeah, so I already told you that I'm excited to have it up and running immediately. Uh, when you install Big Sur, there is a nice option when you can just transfer data from the old installation, from the other volume, right? And I did just that. I never did that uh, because usually I install a new macOS. I try to be like, from the from the blank, right? This time I tried to just transfer data and it worked. Apparently, not all applications are working. Uh, like uh, little snitch, for instance, doesn't work, and they politely okay. politely show you a reminder that you need to to try another build. Dropbox does not work as far as I can see, and I could not make it work. Uh, Docker, for instance, uh, it does work, but you need to reinstall it. So there must be some kernel extensions or drivers which need to be like updated. They were not available okay. even after transfer. Gotcha. And that's it. And all command line tools that I installed and some exotic stuff and all bash scripts, they were available immediately. And like Heroku is running Vapor 3, Vapor 4, all the stuff, all developer tools that I use, like Xcode Gen, all the stuff is available. And it works like perfectly on Big Sur. And I am now, like, in my team, I am the only person who is who lives on Big Sur, which is, like, and I... What, uh, have you tried building anything using the, the Xcode Universal uh, version where you can build for both Intel and ARM? No. I do believe that you need a different build of Xcode for this, right? Right. So there's two different builds. There's Xcode 12 
Uh, actually, hold on just a second. I can pull it up. Because they have different build numbers on them. There's uh, Xcode 12, 12A, 8158A, which is the universal one. And then there is, okay. if you go to the developer page, you can you see the two different versions there. So basically one is 158A and the other one is 159. 159 is the uh, standard version of Xcode 12 and 158A is the one right. that builds both Intel and ARM. So if you want to test a Mac app, essentially, and you want to make sure it builds for ARM or Apple Silicon, uh, you'd want the 158A called the Xcode Universal build. Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid of building uh, anything for Rosetta. Not for Rosetta. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I mean, for, yeah. <laughs> for IRM, right? Uh, because if you are on a modern uh, code base, if you use Swift packages, if you use resources without any custom or ultra-customized scripts, it should just work. If you build applications for the last 10 years, I believe all of those projects, they will just compile as is. If you are on Swift, you are even in better position. The most likely it will compile without any errors and warnings, right? This is what we had with, with iOS for years. Yep. So I'm not afraid of this at all. Yep. And I'm not even going to check it in add-ons yep. unless I have this like chance to try DTK or some like IRM machine. Yes. So uh, let's get into Xcode. Okay. So Xcode 12. I overall like the new design. I like that it's a lot easier to hide menus. Even on my iMac, it's a lot easier to navigate stuff. Some of the stuff with SwiftUI especially is a right. little bit easier. Um, I highly recommend checking some of the stuff on previews that they did videos on this year. I like it. Uh, what's what's your overall thought on Xcode? Yeah, like like I told in the last episode, I'm so excited about this change, which is no change. <laughs> and uh, in some cases, it's even like... It's weird because like Xcode bots have not changed at all. You have all the same like nice things and all the same problems from old versions. Uh, I like this because it must be working for us, for developers. And if there is no need to fix things, like don't touch them. I'm right. Okay yeah, totally. This approach. And this is what I appreciate. And the nice design refresh, like a new app icon, new icons for navigator and spectre panels. And configurable text size in the sidebar. It's so nice to have these small touches. And this is what we were asking all the time, right? Don't make any massive changes. Just improve things. And I believe that this year, Xcode team nailed it, seriously. And yeah. also, the not, not so evident, but interesting. Uh, because when you live in Xcode, you start appreciating smaller things. And in Big Sur, we've got new menus, for instance. And these menus came to Xcode as a result. And now Xcode experience is so much better because all these sub-menus that pop up from like Jump Bar, for instance, they look so nice, I must say. And together with the sidebar, which is full cage, it's much better experience, in my, in my opinion. And I do appreciate that Xcode has not changed much. Yeah, I agree completely. One of the big things is the improvement to how SwiftUI works. On Xcode, uh, Xcode previews and being able to like, there was a whole video about like visual elements, creating custom visual elements. Yeah. Did you watch that one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All of them. <laughs> yeah. So that seemed like really 
like they're making it a lot more powerful than it used to be and a lot more useful as far as swift ui is concerned have you dabbled in some of the swift ui stuff in xcode 12 i I checked some sample code yeah and look at this new the library we were there already like we had like interface builder plugins we had hacked version by brandon walkin with like dark controls and we saw this intervention into xcode library before but this one is special with swift ui library controls it's like when you provide it almost like you do with previews and they're available to swift ui code right i believe that this may work because it's no different from snippets but these snippets are now have some like visual like representation like you may it, it is basically snippets which are exposed to Xcode library, right? Right, exactly, exactly. So I don't I don't see it as a new feature, which is like the most exciting thing ever. Sorry. It's just a small improvement, gradual improvement. And I appreciate this as well. I think it's like, it, it's kind of reminds me of like you, uh, web UI patterns, uh, which I've seen a lot more <laughs> frequently where it's like, oh, a button always looks like this on our website. And then all you have to do is add this button. And it seems like they're bringing that kind of paradigm to Xcode, which I think is going to be yeah, useful yeah. to like bigger teams, essentially, where you have the same UI elements and consistency in UI design. Right. In this case, it's even, in my opinion, maybe I'm not right here, but it's not like components, actually. It's like more like style. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. CSS style, because when in Swift UI, the value type, the struct component is something like an object, which is, you should not treat it as an object, in my opinion. You should treat it as a style, something that you will change and something that you apply and then modify all the time. This is how Swift UI works, right? And maybe there will be some misconception for young developers how it works. Like they will be surprised that I'm dragging something into my application and it doesn't work. But it's not supposed to, right? It should be integrated into your whole Swift UI struct right. and only then work. So maybe I, I exaggerate here, but I don't know. It's it's interesting concept anyway. Yeah, I like to see where it goes in the next year or so and see if people find it useful. Yeah, I agree. So one of the big changes in SwiftUI was the ability to do cleaning up kind of like the app delegate. What What's your overall thought on that? Like as far as like not needing an app delegate anymore? It's a nice, it's, a, it's really a nice direction, but it lacks so many features. I'm not even sure how, not even simple, but at least not, not so simple applications survive because in this paradigm, it's not clear to me how you receive push notifications, how you do all the stuff that application delegate does usually. Basically, we do have life cycle now, and this cycle life cycle is related to phases, so-called. When you have active phase, like background phase, and you can do something during these phases. phases. But the paradigm of life cycle of application is so important. I'm not quite understand how is it going to grow into the future and will it get more and more and more modifiers? I don't know. It's For me, it's a bit weird, but maybe you have to adjust right. Swift UI to appreciate this. Maybe this is a feature, not a bug. Right, right. Yeah, because you do lose a lot of control by using the at main attribute on your classes and being able to like to really customize how an app is run. So I'm, I'm in the same boat with you where it's like, I, I don't know if I want to lose that kind of control necessarily, right. but we'll see, we'll see how things go. 
We finally got document-based apps using SwiftUI, which is cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to playing around with that. I kind of dabbled a little bit in trying to build a document-based app in SwiftUI before, mm-hmm. and I found it like really difficult. So mm-hmm. it looks like it's a lot more natural in Big Sur, which is fantastic. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about with SwiftUI? Yeah, those, those document-based applications. I, I checked the demo by uh, Gui Rambo uh, inside Gui. Uh, the, he, he built a Mac application, which is a basically video editor using new SwiftUI document-based applications. Yes, yeah, I saw that on GitHub. Yeah, probably. When you check his code, <laughs> it's quite natural. Like, yeah, I like you should do it this way. But to figure this out, how you do it exactly without having experience with document-based applications, it will be so difficult for some developers, I believe. Okay. I, I'm not sure about this direction just because of this. Like, You cannot just wrap a part of framework and leave everything else for the, for the future. It's, ah, it's so dangerous. I cannot express this in more details, but probably you understand what I mean. Because a document, it's such a huge architecture it has got so many connection points and override points and on mac for instance an s document is probably the most rich class in 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 the whole framework and you can customize it in unimaginable ways i cannot even understand how to mix and match this with like swift ui right but yeah we'll we'll see maybe they've got some plan for this we'll see i uh because i'm interested in enabling document-based app for Speculate, my icon builder. So I started dabbling into it and I have like no experience with NS documents. So I kind of understand where you're going as far as how complex it can be. So I'm like really curious as somebody with like no experience with document-based apps is going to find the new way uh, with SwiftUI uh, and how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. Hey folks, I wanted to let you know about the host of our podcast, Transistor FM. Transistor has been an awesome podcast host for the last two years I've used it. And what I really like about it is all the great features it offers people who want to really run a professional podcast. I love the automated integrations with Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, MailChimp, etc. They offer really great analytics, which I use quite frequently. And they have updated their UI to look fantastic and be usable on the iPad as well. One thing I've been thinking about lately with a lot of the stuff in the news is the importance of running a independent podcast. We all know about stories about YouTubers and app developers running into issues with all sorts of gatekeepers. And one of the places where we have that kind of independence is in podcasting. Unfortunately, there's some hosts which can have an inordinate amount of uh, control over your podcast and act like a gatekeeper like many of some of these other companies that we've been hearing about lately. Things like ad insertion or control over how your podcast is published and broadcasted, things like that, that if you're running a professional podcast is uh, either risky or can lower the quality of your show. Something about Transistor is that you own the podcast, it is yours, and you have that complete independence. It works on multiple platforms, so you're not locked down to someone like Spotify, for instance. You have a completely open RSS feed, 
But also, they have a lot of tools to help you run a professional podcast as well, like the analytics, but also things like being able to have a private RSS link if you want to run some sort of uh, membership uh, service along with your podcast as well, or you want to be able to only allow certain people to listen to your show, which I think is awesome and a really great feature. So again, I highly recommend checking Transistor out. Let them know you heard about Transistor from us. Go to the link in the show notes below to give Transistor a try today for 14 days. Another small thing which which I really appreciate from this year, uh, it was not possible to to provide SwiftUI components via Swift packages. Uh, you could do it like via classes, but previews didn't work as far as I remember. No, you're absolutely correct. Yes. Yeah. And this one, like now you can provide SwiftUI code in packages, which is so exciting in my opinion. And if you if you add XC frameworks, when you can close this, we can finally provide like paid controls. Right. Which is like I, I miss this from 2010. I right. <laughs> we miss it for so for so long time. So charting libraries will probably finally go here into Swift UI. For me, this is an exciting perspective for developers right. and people who build components like maybe, I don't know, like shortcuts, recorders, like all of this stuff. Now you can build something like shippable and even sell it. And it's not about like selling, like it's, I'm all for open source, but as an opportunity right. to provide your code officially as a Swift package, as just a link, a URL, it's, this is exciting in my opinion. Yeah. So with the with the Swift UI and Swift packages, you could always do that. I think it was just the previews mm-hmm. didn't work because like my watch OS app part twitch is completely in a Swift package. Uh-huh. So like I just could yeah, never preview yeah. easily inside. It's about previews. Right. So yeah, I think that's a big improvement for sure. And then the other thing, uh so like by so you're talking about like binaries in Swift packages, right? Right. Yeah, we can discuss this as well. Yeah. So like I'm looking forward to seeing stuff like Firebase finally move over to Swift packages because I think that was a big issue was not being able to do that. And I've got uh with speculate like I'm using some C libraries and things like that that just don't like I can't and with some objective C code and I'm looking forward to packaging that up into an XC framework and then using like the new Swift package binary stuff for that, because I think that's going to make my code run a lot easier. Yeah, totally. You know, we already, uh, for a cast project that we work on. Yeah. Uh, we are trying to use only Swift packages for all dependencies. And, and one of the libraries that we are using is XC framework. Yeah, exactly. It's it's third party library, and it's not very convenient to not have it as a Swift package as well. It's closed source, but yes. and now it's it's a new like approach, and we appreciate it so much. So we will finally be able to have only Swift packages for the whole application. It's so cool. We've only I think touched the surface of how useful yeah, Swift packages yeah, are, and yeah, I think it's yeah. just going to keep growing and growing. I cannot agree more. Yeah. Seeking of Swift packages, we are supposed to be able to use Swift packages in Playgrounds. Have you gotten this to work? Yeah, it's quite nice. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you have. Okay, I still haven't figured it out quite yet. There are some tutorials and videos. It's quite interesting approach to provide documentation. <laughs> okay, I'm going to try it again. I've used uh, Sven's 
Sven Schutz, uh, arena, mm-hmm. um, which is awesome. Um, I've, I've used that a few times for both trying out Swift packages, but also for like building tutorials and things. When I did my talk on asynchronous programming, I used arena to test out like, uh, uh, promise kit and, and vapor and things like that within playgrounds. So, uh, yeah, that, that, that works pretty well. I think overall my issues is just with playgrounds in general <laughs> and how useful they are. Um, because I find that I run out of steam using playgrounds and just want to run a Mac OS command line app because it just ends up being so much work. Hopefully, like, it sounds like they moved a lot of the they made it build essentially similar to the way an Xcode project builds. So it's using the same build system. So hopefully that's going to fix a lot of the issues with playgrounds. Yeah, I agree. You will finally know what is, what is an error. Like it's... Was there anything else you want to talk about when it comes to playgrounds? To playgrounds? I miss, I miss the bugger in playgrounds very much. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't understand how it's designed to be and it must be like on pair with ipad when you have just code and output but sometimes you so right because you could step through on the ipad but you can't yeah you can't really do that on xcode playgrounds have you tried on the mac os playground app um yeah yeah okay yeah i i agree all right let's get into testing a lot of new stuff with testing it seems like um, we have stuff like being able to triage issues or videos on that, uh, things about metrics, uh, XC skip, some, you know, there was a video about interruptions, UI interruptions and dealing with that. Not necessarily anything new, uh, in that case, but it seems like there was a lot more stuff on testing this year. Is that, is that what it seemed like to you? Yeah, I agree. And I like this direction, this approach that Apple should care about quality as we, as we all know. <laughs> Recently, everyone is like, they're trying to teach them, like, you should do better quality. And Apple shows us, like, take care of yourself. Like, this is our quality testing tools. So maybe try yourself. It's quite nice that we finally get some attention to all these testing details, right? Yeah. And it's the integration with instruments, for me, is the most exciting part. It's like right. all this all these metrics. It's not quite clear. We have We have got... Too many options like with some other technologies by apple right it's not always clear where to start like so if i want to measure my coach will i go with signposts with instruments with xcg measure or metrics now it's so many technologies and i would love to see some book where, where they describe like how and when and why you do this or that and which technologies are preferred for testing one of the things i hear from a lot of guests like Paul Hudson said this when he was on and Alex Bush said this, but like one of the weak spots in development in the Apple space is testing and like that kind of stuff, the unit testing, the CI and things like that. And it's just good to see that they finally are doing a lot more in that space because like you look at something like JavaScript, like the tools that they have in JavaScript are just so much more mature for a lot of reasons uh, when it comes to testing than what we have in Xcode right now. And it's just really good to see like just a lot more maturity in that space. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah. We are still looking forward to body build news, right? There's <laughs> so, so hopes for some news and maybe the next iteration with like some CI innovations, maybe all this, exit test improvements somehow related and we will connect the dots later uh, so yeah 
We'll see. We'll see about Buddy Build. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Anyways, I wanted to jump and talk about the App Store because part of the story with testing and integration is some of the new stuff we have coming out at the end of the year, they said, for the API um, and some of the stuff with like uh, having an open API and things like that. Do you want to explain what improvements are coming to the App Store uh, by the end of the year? Yeah. Yeah, I had a nice lab with uh, some of in, with one of engineers okay. from our Store Connect APIs team, and they will release a new batch of APIs. And the most exciting one is App Metadata Editor. So now we will be able to automate all this, like something that Fastlane did all the time, but now we will have open right. API for this, not yeah. creator, which is quite quite nice. And Design Refresh in App Store Connect. It's also a nice improvement. It's underappreciated. It looks like in the community. But when you compare experience with what we had before, it's much better. It's maybe as slow as before, but when you can use on all your devices, it's I find it very nice. I know that Felix had something about their changes, like the whatever the week before dub dub like it broke some of the issues some things with fast lane so it'll be interesting I, I didn't follow up on it but like i do like the app the ui refresh as far as the app store is concerned mm-hmm. and like you said you can do you can now edit the metadata you can't create apps i don't know about that but as far as like updating metadata we have a open api hopefully by the end of the year to be able to edit that yeah, it is a nice feature. Unfortunately, we will not get like promo code support. We, we will not be able to apply to customer reviews and check live sales. So we, we don't get this. But still, it's 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 the right move in the right direction. So we'll see more and more APIs. Yeah. Are you thinking of doing anything with Native Connect to adopt some of the new changes or nothing really affects uh, you? Yeah, there are some plans for Native Connect related to this, of course. Uh, you know, when, when I started, my hope was my science hope was that they will open all all APIs, all everything that Fastlane does. And I wanted to use this GWT keys to do all operations. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it, it didn't work. So I had to switch to proprietary APIs. And my hope, of course, that eventually, like, I will just propose people to sign in with Apple and have this secure login and use the same APIs that Fastlane does and that Native Connect does now. It's okay. We are long time away from this, but at least we are moving to the, in that direction. And with metadata, one technical aspect is, for instance, now we can upload assets officially. And I believe folks at Fastlane are happy about this as well. Yeah. Before we had to figure out how to upload assets, and when you have a preview video, which is huge, and I didn't design even this part. Like I had some ideas how to implement this native connect, but. All design was about like how to treat errors and there was no documentation and it's quite hard to figure out the technically like how to implement this properly and like future proof, right? Yeah. But now having open API, like it can be implemented like, and I, I expect that more applications will like appear, which do the same stuff. So yeah, this is exciting market and I'm inviting everyone. Here. It's we can automate so much and developer tools like this they are necessary and Fastlane and its popularity shows 
all the time. Yeah, I agree. Like if we can have more solid CI continuous integration with the app store, I think it'd be fantastic as well. Yeah. Um, and it'll, you make it, it just make it a lot easier to, to produce and post apps and things like that. Cool. Is there anything else you want to talk about when it comes to the app store? Um, the APIs will get swagger and this is exciting. Like from Apple, it's, it's a huge move. It's like they're opening to the world. Is swagger like swagger is like a API, um, standard. So that way people can easily import an API into their application. Is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You can like generate interfaces, which is exciting. Like in my opinion, this, this is absolutely brilliant direction for Apple because they are so closed and after server size swift movements, this one is natural. But also, still, I'm excited yeah. that we will have more standard tools, right, for development. Yep. I want to jump into and talk about the updates to Organizer. So, yeah. what what are those big improvements that you've seen with Organizer? Yeah, it's not big improvements. I'd say, like for for iOS folks, you will have this new metrics charts. Unfortunately, <laughs> this current privacy state uh, on iOS, most people. Of course, they do disable sharing data. And we don't have this maybe limited set of data which could be shared like reliably. And so this reports, I'm still not sure. If your app is not extremely popular and if it's not downloaded by millions, these diagnostic tools, they are not yet optimized for, for real okay. development. So I'm sorry for saying this, but I'm, I'm into Apple Teams, but we do need more control. It's like when you have a, when you experience crash, then in my opinion, it's important to send it develop, to developer all the time. It's the same about these diagnostics reports. Like if there is a bottleneck in disk writes, it must be sent. It should not depend on some checkbox made by user. So in my opinion, they could introduce some privacy levels right. for sending some reports. And so organizer is great and all these new features are great. But how usable they are, I'm not sure. Because now you you can, like, from Apple, if you go with Apple standard crash reporting, you will get one report out of 100 about crash, which mm-hmm. is not, not ideal at all, right? So you still need to integrate your own tools. And it's the same about logging, about tracing, about everything. Like, you basically have no idea what is going on on customer's device using Apple tools. And again, this is a step in the right direction but we are still like right i'm still keen to see like how it works out but overall all the designer fresh of organizer i like this yeah i agree with you as well like new sidebar and and new charts uh one thing that i want to notice is how much xcode grows we have got like xcode bots we have got organizer simulator i don't know yes i agree with you I, I believe it will be more convenient if you had different tools for this. And some tools from organizer could could organically uh, could be organically embedded into instruments, for instance. Because if you open the report, like I'd like to open it in instruments and immediately see all the details about this report. And organizer is a like is not necessary is unnecessary bridge, and it makes makes Xcode even bigger download, which is for me it's like I don't know. I would already make yeah. not I would yeah. I would prefer already to have instruments as a separate download from Xcode. Because 
now when you download Xcode from Mac App Store, from the Mac App Store, if you're like starting with development, it, it's just nuts. It's like 10 megabytes, 10 gigabytes. And when you extract it's 100 gigabytes, I don't know. It's, it's scary numbers and it could be improved, I believe. What do you think are some things that folks don't take advantage of in Xcode that they like, what do you think is a hidden gem when it comes to development that more folks should take advantage of in Xcode? Uh, I can recommend the refactoring tools uh, pop up, which is common shift a it's quite simple, but some folks prefer to edit it. Like control command E is enough, but it's not enough. And com- command shift a rename is much more like powerful and I can only recommend it. I don't know to be honest. It's like maybe maybe you can you can share something so I can append. I think ref- refactoring the problem with refactoring is sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. That's my fear of it. Like I've done renames quite a bit using the refactoring tool, but there's been times where it's like basically ruined some of the code. So that could be a pain in the neck. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to think like build scripts, I think like there's some stuff with like build phases people could take advantage of and build settings, some of the stuff with targets and config files. I feel like that's the really advanced stuff that's challenging to use in Xcode. Does that make sense? Yeah. One thing that I want to propose, like this is a practice that we use at Raycast and that I applied to native connect for, for a long time. I do prefer Xcode configs as well as Xcode uh, gen utility. Do you know about it? <laughs> it's, it? Oh, do I know about Yeah, if I had a dollar for every time I've mentioned it on the podcast, Yanis uh, probably didn't, wouldn't have to have a chop. Uh, yeah, I love Xcode gen. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So you have this small script, not script, like small YML configuration of 20 lines you just generate a project and use it. And I find it so much more convenient than having Xcode approach under Git source control. Do you check in your Xcode projects? Uh, no, not, not anymore. Not if you anymore. use X, if you, okay. Yeah, that's, that's the same boat I'm in. Uh, I, I want to move all my projects over to Xcode gen and, and just the YAML file because it's just, it's so much cleaner and easier to deal with than the massive Xcode files. And I've said that before, like, I almost wish, like, I, I love it, but I almost wish it almost gets Sherlocked at some point because it's like, the the way Xcode projects are so complex is I feel like it's a little bit dated in a lot of ways. It, it I don't think it's as necessary as it used to be to make these projects so massive. So yeah, X, if you have not tried out Xcode Gen, definitely give it a try because it will clean up a lot of your uh, Xcode projects quite a bit. So before we close out, uh, I can't go an episode without raving about how much I love server-side Swift. <laughs> um, and I was so excited to see Vapor being demoed in the keynote uh, when they demoed it on a uh, Apple Silicon Mac. Uh, that was awesome to see. And then yeah. not only that, but we also got a talk on Lambdas uh, in Swift, which is fantastic. Uh, it seems like... <sighs> People ask that question, is Vapor production ready? I don't know what it would take like to prove people that Vapor is production ready. Like you can run it anywhere. It's got testing. I, I think it's fantastic to see like Vapor being being talked about and server side Swift and AWS Lambdas. Like it's just it's awesome to see that uh at Dub Dub this year. Don't you agree? 
I agree totally. And I tried AWS Lambda to deploy it. I mean, and I found a really great tutorial by Fabian. I'm sorry, I cannot recall the name, but it's it's such a nice experience when you deploy it and it works. And regarding the production argument, <laughs> I, I launched my projects in production on Vapor for two years already. <laughs> and I cannot be happier and it works like a charm, seriously. And I agree. You, and you, you should implement like additional steps like to make it more reliable and more private and secure. But I don't believe that this is any different from other technologies. Like I don't believe that Go folks just use a framework and call it a day. No, right. you always should work on improving your server side. And it's the same for Swift. What is I'm most excited about, and this argument is so much bigger, in my opinion, than production readiness of Vapor, is like, just try Xcode debugging experience yeah. for server-side code. Yes. You will never go back. Absolutely. Never. It's like, I tried Visual Studio before. I tried VS Code and many technologies, and deb- with debugger and without debugger. Once you try debugging your server-side Swift code, you will not get get back. And I'm strong a strong proponent of this position. Like and even because of this, like because having a joy of developing, like we should keep trying to promote vapor as production technology. That's it. Yeah. I think one thing you you have in the notes, we were talking about like being able to debugger in a Docker image, like that would make it easier. Um but other than that, like it is it is nice to be able to write server side code in Swift. I cannot recommend it enough. Yeah, it's just it's solid. People should definitely give it a try, and it's easy to deploy it. Uh, I spent most of my weekend upgrading my Vapor three app to Vapor four uh, on Heroku, and it worked. Like there were hiccups. It had nothing to do with Vapor. It had more to do with Heroku. Yeah, Vapor is production ready, and I think we're going to see a lot more bigger companies adopt it, uh, including Apple, for their back end. Um, and I, th- I think that this, if this is a proof that it's ready, with the fact that they actually demoed Vapor in the keynote, I don't know <laughs> what more can prove it to you. So, yeah, yeah, very cool. Anything else you want to talk about before we close out? No, I'm, I'm really happy to to be here and discuss all this stuff after last week it's it, it was exciting week and i believe that expectations are so high for the next year they set a really high bar and things like you know video production it's just brilliant all this stuff is so brilliant it's like yeah. amazing quality they did a really good job producing the videos i was impressed uh, I, I mean i know apple's the biggest company in the world but still like to, to pull up these videos as quickly as they did and have them so concise. Uh, it's fantastic. And maybe we'll put some of our favorite videos in the show notes yeah. uh, for folks to take a look at, but thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm, I'm really thankful for inviting me. I'm sorry for my English speaking accent. So yeah, hopefully you had some fun listening to this. Yeah. Thank you, Leo. Yeah. Thank you so much. Where can people find you online? I'm twitter.com. Vadim Spakovsky and there are all my, all my life, technical life, which I want to share. And so, thank you so much. And we'll be talking more about uh, Dub Dub, as you can imagine, throughout the rest of the summer. We'll have uh, Majid on to talk about Swift UI in our next episode, and then we'll also be having an episode with uh, Lucas as well, talking more about Mac OS stuff. So this will be a big summer for Swift UI and Mac and. 
WWDC. So be sure to tune in our, our next episodes with regard to that. Uh, if people want to find me, they can find me on Twitter at Leo G. Dion. My company's website is brightdigit.com. And thank you so much for joining us. And we will talk to you again. Have a great day.